0: I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. what's up, Power Players? Welcome back to Power Time. I am your host and guy, Tom Tate, taking you on a journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. So tonight, we're going to party like it's 1989, because this is the issue that you've been waiting for. So we're going to flash back. I want you to pop open your time capsule, and we're going to dig into, after months of delayed anticipation, we finally have Zelda 2. And that's not all. So in issue number four, we also have in this January, February, 1989 volume, the Nintendo Power Bowl, which is going to be a three-game kickoff. We have a Skater die feature, plus a Mondo poster, and the next installment of Captain Nintendo. All right, so let's jump right in by getting, uh, getting a look at the cover for issue number four. So this cover features an illustration of, of Link and Zelda we're greeted by Link's back. You can't even see Link's face. Uh, Zelda is resting on a bed sleeping and he's got a shield and a glowing sword and there's kind of a pot of fire next to him uh, also by the bedside. I don't know if that's like a magic pot or just for lighting in the room. Uh, the Nintendo Power logo uh, is the traditional yellow and red logo. Uh, very, very iconic still. Uh, the issue price still $3 and 50 cents. Uh, we have Zelda two, the adventure of link blockbuster review. So right here on the cover, we know that we're getting a review, uh, Nintendo power bowl, which is that three game kickoff that I mentioned, uh, the skater die feature, and then part two of captain Nintendo. Um, there is the official seal of quality on this issue. Uh, and I, I, I love this. You start to see this all over the place. Uh, for all of Nintendo's licensed products, you'll see the official Nintendo seal of quality. Uh, and I believe it was actually a sticker on most games. Uh, I remember because I, I used to try to peel them off. Uh, the Nintendo Power was still the source for NES players straight from the pros. That's the uh, the official tagline that runs along the bottom of the cover. So I'm not super impressed with this cover. Uh, it's kind of... It's kind of lame, for lack of a better word. Uh, it, it just sets up this sort of dramatic scene that's not super dramatic. Uh, Link just watching over Zelda, not really giving me a hint of what action is to come. But there is a blockbuster review inside, so uh, maybe this was enough to move copies. But, you know, if, if I was a, a, a little kid back in this day, and try to put yourself in, in these shoes, and you see this cover... Uh, is it enough to make you want to beg your mom to buy this copy of Nintendo Power? Uh, maybe Zelda fever was just so high after the first game that it was, and you just couldn't wait to get your hands on The Legend of Zelda 2, uh, but I'm not so sure. There's probably a few other scenes in the game that they could have portrayed on this cover, in my humble opinion. Uh, so let's just jump right in, uh, we're not gonna dwell too much on the cover, uh, In the inside cover, we have an ad for Power Supplies. Uh, And this is kind of like a utility uh, three-shelf unit that has a bunch of different controllers on it. So there's all these different joysticks and controllers, first-party, third-party accessories uh, for sale with the heading Power Supplies, along with a welcome note. And the welcome note mentions Zelda 2, Marble Madness, WrestleMania, and more. So I'm not going to spoil too much from the welcome note. Uh... And I'm not going to spoil too much from the table of contents, but I will say that this issue of Nintendo Power looks very promising. There are a lot of awesome games that we're going to be covering, uh, and we're going to get a nice look at a ton of hot new NES titles as we page through this issue, starting with right we're gonna kick things off with wrestlemania on the nintendo entertainment system are there any wwf fans out there i know back in this day so the early uh the early 90s specifically i was a big fan of wwf uh i used to go to events with my family uh mostly with my uncle uh and my cousins Uh, my mom and dad were not into wwf so much uh but I'm not talking about the Attitude Era here. I am talking about old-school WWF. I'm talking about Andre the Giant, Bam Bam Bigelow, Honky Tonk Man, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Ted DiBiase. The gang is all here for this NES Classic. And if you are into the Attitude Era, stick around uh, and stick with me because we are definitely going to be getting into the Attitude Era when we get into the the Nintendo 64, which is going to be quite a while. So right now, uh, we are talking specifically about Wrestlemania, uh, we have these wrestler profiles. Uh, So every page here has uh, a specific wrestler. Uh, For example, the first wrestler profiled is Hulk Hogan. And the language here in this magazine is fantastic. So when the Hulkster saunters into the ring, flexing his 24-inch biceps, affectionately called pythons, the fans go crazy and repeatedly shout his name. He's Bam Bam Bigelow, the beast from the East, and he's definitely wild. He'll shout, he'll rant, he'll rave, but consider his enormous size. You have to admire his incredible agility. So just awesome, awesome writing here, uh, really in line with the WWF brand uh, and also the Nintendo brand. So we have uh, some, some pictures of the graphics. We have a few different... Moves that you can do, and it tells you how you can do those moves. You know, so with your back to the opponent, press A and B at the same time, facing the opponent, press A and B at the same time, running moves, turnbuckle moves. Uh, So, this was a very popular game. I I think, you know, looking back on WrestleMania, I don't look back so fondly just because of how many amazing wrestling games came after it. Uh, And it's a little hard to play these days, but if you were a wrestling fan, this was definitely the game to check out. So we're going to be back in just a second. I want to quickly play uh, just a little interlude to let you know if you're enjoying the Power Time podcast, there's a couple ways that you can help support the show uh, and all the support I can get uh, is really helpful as I'm I'm getting ready to kick off this long-term project. So let's listen to that and we'll be right back. So I want to quickly share just a few different ways that you can support the show if you're enjoying it so far. The first way, probably the easiest way, is just to subscribe through your favorite podcast app so that you can keep coming back, keep listening, and keep giving me feedback so I can improve the show. If you are enjoying the show, uh, another way that you can support is to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, That definitely helps me attract more listeners. But also, if you leave me feedback, uh, that will also help me improve the show as well. And finally, if you are absolutely enjoying the Power Time podcast and you know that you are a super nerd just like me, and this is the absolute uh, best outlet for you uh, to get your retro Nintendo fix, check out Power Time Unlocked at slash unlocked. Join the community, make some new friends, and then go tell all your current friends uh, and we'll have fun. All right, we're back. Up next, we have another. Multi-page short story, the shocking conclusion to Captain Nintendo. So if you remember from last episode, we talked about uh, this adventure that was in Nintendo Power starring Nintendo R&D team member Brett Randalls. Brett gets these superpowers in the first part and he gets them just in time as the same freak accident that gave him the powers also materialized Mother Brain from Metroid, and Ganon from Zelda in the real world. So to aid him in defeating Ganon, Brett, uh, now known as Captain Nintendo in the story, he materializes uh, Link in the real world. So he brings Link out of the game and into the real world, and the duo can take on uh, these foes at Nintendo headquarters in Redmond, Washington. So again, Uh, Just like the first part of this story, I I found it to be pretty entertaining. Uh, It comes to an ending here, but it's definitely left open for more stories. So we'll see if the Captain uh, Captain Nintendo uh, storyline continues in future issues of Nintendo Power. But this also feels like a precursor Uh, of course, to Captain N, which was one of my favorite cartoons. So do you remember Captain N? Uh, I'm curious, you know, if any of the listeners out there remember Captain N, you can definitely uh, tweet at me at Yo Power Time, uh, and we can reminisce on Captain N, because that was just such a great show. I would love to do a side episode just on Captain N at some point because of how uh, fantastic that cartoon was. So after this uh, shocking conclusion, uh, we have the Writers' Showcase Contest. Um, So you have the opportunity to write your own video game fiction uh, and send this in uh, to enter into a contest. And the winner of the contest wins scholarship bonds. So the judging will be based on originality, creativity, and overall composition. Uh, The deadline was March 1st, 1989. So you didn't have too much time. You had to really get these stories cranked out uh, and send these into Nintendo power. So I love, again, I mentioned this last episode or maybe the one before. I love the idea that somebody somewhere is sitting on these Nintendo bonds. Uh, So somebody somewhere has a $500 Nintendo bond from submitting a short story uh, based on their own uh, video game fiction, fan fiction. So that was fantastic. So after that, we have a game that is definitely near and dear to my heart. And that is Sesame Street 123. I remember my Uncle Jim had a game. I believe it was for MS-DOS. It was called Big Birds, Big Splash. And I would play the heck out of that game. It was a fantastic game uh, for the old, uh, old computers back in the day. And uh, I, I was a big fan of Sesame Street. Again, I didn't get my first NES until 1990. Uh, I was still a young kid. And I remember Sesame Street 123 with uh, Ernie's Magic Shapes and I believe it was Astro Grover. So Astro Grover was math. Ernie's Magic Shapes was learning about shapes and colors. Very, very simple game, but I absolutely remember playing it a ton. And this just goes to show, you know, Nintendo is diversifying their selections here, appealing to gamers of all ages. And I think that I owned this game probably because my parents felt more comfortable putting me in front of an educational Sesame Street Title rather than you know just sitting glued to the TV playing Super Mario Brothers three all day, uh, and and that makes sense right uh, def- definitely something to justify uh, letting your kids play video games for a really long time if it's something somewhat educational. Uh, I absolutely remember enjoying this as a kid, but listen, you did not tune into the Power Time podcast to hear me talk about Sesame Street one two three. You tuned in to the Power Time podcast to hear me talk about our next game, which was one of the most anticipated games in its day. So, here's what I want to do: if you're listening to the podcast in a safe environment and you can close your eyes for the next 30 seconds, I want you to do that. If you're if you're driving a car or operating heavy machinery, maybe you're mowing the lawn, maybe you're in the middle of doing the dishes, uh, don't worry about it. But if you can, For the next 30, 60, 90 seconds, just close your eyes and we're going to take you to the land of Hyrule. After the fall of Ganon, Princess Zelda knew the secret of the Triforce, but refused to tell it to a great sorcerer. He then cast a sleeping spell on her. Years have passed since Ganon's defeat, and Link has grown since that epic struggle. But much evil still remains in Hyrule. As foretold in legends, a man of royal bearing would come to save Zelda and Hyrule, and his hand would show a mark. To overcome the evil forces, Link must find the third piece of the Triforce. Wisdom and power he has already. Now he must find courage. And thus, Link's great task begins. This is Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. So I feel like growing up, the big joke was that everyone thought that Link's name was actually Zelda. Uh, in the first game and I don't know if that was just my memory maybe that was just something that was happening in my neighborhood or at my school Um, or if it was if that was in fact you know true throughout but this sequel definitely sets the record straight clearly this is all about the adventure of Link Uh, so it was cool to see Link in the title and we're just going to jump right into this issue's review because it's pretty extensive and there's plenty of history to cover So Nintendo Power definitely jumps right into the differences in the gameplay between Zelda 2 and Zelda 1. So there are two points of view styles in this game. There's the top-down style when you're traveling throughout the world map. And then when you enter a town or when you uh, actually hit an enemy or when you're traveling through the dungeons or they call them palaces. So when you're traveling through the palaces in Zelda 2, you enter into a side-scrolling, a 2D side-scrolling kind of action-adventure type of gameplay. And the whole game itself feels very RPG-ish right off the bat. So you're talking to people in towns, uh, you have this top-down world map that you can't actually do battle in, uh, and there's these pseudo-random encounters where you uh, have these random enemies pop up, and if you happen to bump into them, you enter into a battle mode. So it felt very RPG-ish, obviously not turn-based RPG-ish, Uh, But there are these elements, you know, items items exist to help you in your journey. Uh, In true Zelda fashion, you know, this game still is all about finding powerful items and abilities that will help you progress through the game. So things that places that you can't get to until you find the right item or the right ability. Uh, So it's still very much a Zelda game in that fashion. And we get a look at some of these in Nintendo Power. So there's a full page spread here that's going to show you A lot of the items that you're going to get to help you out in your journey. Uh, We have the magic jars, treasure bags, heart containers. We have the candle, the hammer, the raft, the handy glove, the boots, the flute. These are all items that you're going to get in the game. And, you know, to be completely frank, I didn't love, in Nintendo Power, I didn't love seeing too much of the game before I got to experiencing it, before I got to experience it. Uh, But that happened frequently, especially in these early issues. But it did get you excited. There were these chip shortages that prevented Zelda 2 from really getting a mass release. Uh, so if you didn't have your hands on this yet, and many people didn't, uh, these elements definitely got you excited to play the game. Uh, we also get a glimpse of the uh, eight scrolls of Hyrulean magic that you're going to be getting throughout the game. Uh, so like the shield, uh, life, jump, fire, thunder. Like these are all different spells that you're going to learn throughout the game. Uh, the shield actually halves your damage uh, while you're on a specific screen. I had no idea what the shield did until I actually read Nintendo Power. And in my most recent playthrough, uh, I couldn't figure out the purpose of that spell until I actually paged through Nintendo Power. Uh, so we're going to learn some other spells. Uh, again, this is a very RPG-like concept uh, compared to you know the previous Zelda title uh, where you didn't learn a-, a ton of this magic and it didn't use... up. Uh, uh, kind of experience points, magic points uh, to to use these abilities. Um, there's an illustrated map here uh, that shows some of the towns and areas in the game. So we have some interesting run-of-the-mill uh, town names like North Castle, Port, the King's Tomb, Death Mountain area. But then we have some of the towns that have very interesting names uh, to us, right? To us looking back on Zelda 2, some of these names might ring a bell. So, Rudo Town, Raru Town, Saria Town, and Medoro Town. So, Rudo, uh, you may remember, was the Princess of the Zoras in Ocarina of Time. And Saria is uh, a native from Kokiri Forest, also from Ocarina of Time. And then, Raru or Ra'aru uh, was the ancient Sage of Light from Ocarina of Time. So, it's cool to see these names kind of pop up later in zelda lore uh and i believe if you go through kind of the unofficial or official i guess it's official now if you go through the timeline of zelda uh ocarina of time took place prior to zelda 2 uh so those those uh characters in ocarina of time became so legendary in hyrule that full towns were named after them. And I thought that that was really interesting, uh, a perspective that only we get uh, from, you know, tw- 2016 looking back uh, at this game. Uh, these names obviously meant uh, nothing of a sort uh, when you were playing this back in 1989. So next up, we have a list of common enemies. Uh, we have the uh, names of the enemies. And again, I always loved reading about the names of the enemies and, um, you didn't get that frequently in the game. You got that through the instruction booklet and you got that through Nintendo Power. And it's always fun just to get some of the lore around the games uh, in Nintendo Power. Also, we get some tips on how to beat them. And that's definitely helpful, especially in this case, because a lot of these enemies have specific uh, specific attacks that can be countered uh, in specific ways or they have specific weaknesses. Uh, So it's nice to get some of those tips, especially if you didn't have your hands on the game yet. Uh, Some of these enemies are going to continue uh, to be featured throughout the series. So Moblins, Octoroks, like these are going to be characters, uh, non-playable enemies that you're going to see from time to time throughout the uh, Zelda series. We also get a look at some illustrations and screenshots of these sub-bosses. So these illustrations don't look too much like their pixelated counterparts. But again, it's nice to see the lore and and the kind of vibe that they were going for with The Legend of Zelda uh, 2, The Adventure of Link. Um, A Link to the Past and Beyond, we kind of get these larger-than-life bosses with really unique weaknesses. And here, because it's just kind of a side-scrolling atmosphere, 2D side-scroller when you're entering into battle... Uh, we mostly have bosses that are more or less you know, of normal size. They don't take up the full screen. I'll put it that way. Uh, but we have Iron Knuckle, Horsehead, Helmet Head, uh, very original names, Barba, and Karak. Uh, these are some of the sub-bosses that we're going to encounter throughout the game. So let's take a quick break. We're going to check out some more music from Zelda 2. Here's an excerpt from Descendants of Erdrich's track, Return of Ganon. Nintendo Power is going to get right into the walkthrough now and I'm not going to give too much away but the initial steps that lead you to Parappa Palace where you must encounter and defeat Horsehead it's all here so we're going to go through kind of the first town you're going to encounter some of the clues you need to look for there is uh, in the desert cave of Tantari there is the statue of the goddess and you have to kind of find that Uh, so all these optional side quests it's all documented here at Nintendo Power if you want to check it out Uh, There are four total palaces. And again, palaces are what they call dungeons. Uh, So in later uh, Legend of Zelda titles, I would probably call them dungeons. Uh, But in Zelda 2, they are called palaces. There's four that are covered in this issue. Uh, They have maps that highlight the location of the keys, the hidden treasures, as well as some tips for the boss battles. Uh, There's a nice big fold-out world map uh, with a preview of what's to come. Uh, This is a very cool world map. I definitely uh, remember seeing this hanging up on a couple friends' uh, bedroom walls. Uh, So if you want to check out a cool world map, definitely look this one up. Nintendo Power Issue 4, The Legend of Zelda. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit in just a bit, but I recently picked up The Legend of Zelda 2 on my 3DS to play through it. And I have very few memories looking back on this game. I absolutely remember playing it as a kid. I remember people who had it. Uh, but I, I don't remember playing actually playing all the way through. It was very difficult as a kid. Uh, and my wife uh, was actually making fun of me because I had these maps. And I had the uh, the palace maps on hand with me at all times to help me on my quest. So we're going to take another quick break. This one will be a quick one, but I want to slow things down a little bit with the town theme from Zelda as performed by the one-ups. And then we're going to dig into the history of this classic game. Absolutely love that band. Uh, There's so much great music that was covered uh, for The Legend of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. It was really hard to choose just a few tracks. Uh, So I might actually link up a few more in the show notes, uh, which you can find at powertimepodcast.com slash four. But we're going to dig right into the history now. So Nintendo released The Adventure of Link on January 14th, 1987 for the Famicom Disk System in Japan. And it took, okay, it took almost two years for it to come to the states. So technically, this is the only true sequel for the original uh, to the original Legend of Zelda. So this game is supposedly uh, n- the narration follows the original Legend of Zelda directly. All the other games are kind of loosely affiliated in the same world or different uh, time universe. Uh, There's all these different theories and I believe the Hyrule Historia book kind of mapped out the entire timeline. We'll talk about that probably in future episodes. Let's talk briefly about the original Zelda because I think it's important to just touch on. Uh, It's said that because Mario was so linear and everything was straightforward, you kind of executed every level on a set path. uh, Zelda was developed to be almost the exact opposite. So the original title kind of had that sense of awe and exploration and wonder. And gamers would communicate with each other. They talk about this. Um, I, I, I want to say it was Wikipedia that I read this, but they talk about you know the idea that gamers would have to talk to each other about how do you get past this one part or where did you find that secret? Um, and they shared this kind of information about their gaming experience with each other. And that's what Zelda was all about. So producer Shigeru Miyamoto returns to the franchise to create The Adventure of Link. And writer Takashi Tezuka also returned to the team. But the rest of the development team for Zelda 2 is different. So even Koji Kondo. So Koji Kondo was the composer for Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, The Original Legend of Zelda. He was not on the team for The Adventure of Link. He would later return for A Link to the Past, and then later he would return for The Ocarina of Time, but he's not present for the production of this game. So as a result, The Legend of Zelda two, the game and the gameplay are quite different from its predecessor, The Legend of Zelda, and its successor, uh Link to the Past. So we have experience points. Uh, so you kind of level up your max uh, attack, your max health, and your max magic by getting experience points uh, from defeating enemies uh, and picking up experience points in these little uh, these little purses. Uh, the side angle, so the, the 2D side-scrolling element, you don't really see that too much. Uh, you certainly didn't see it in The Legend of Zelda. You don't really see it too much in the future. You get a little taste of it in Link's Awakening, but I think it's done a little differently uh, and a little bit more exploratory. I, I really appreciated it in Link's Awakening, uh, and we'll talk about my opinions on it here in just a bit. Uh, multiple lives. Uh, so in this game, you can die and restart and continue, uh, and you didn't really have uh, like a set number of lives in previous and uh, in following Legend of Zelda titles. And you know the idea of the overworld top-down world map where, where you can't actually do battle... Uh, where you can't actually fight enemies was definitely something different uh, for Zelda at the time, and not really something that that they go back to in the future as well. Ah, uh, so before we get into uh, basically me reminiscing on this title, and we will all be reminiscing on this title, uh, I want to listen to Careless Juja's take on the Zelda theme uh, from the release Pixel Glass. Uh, cause again, so much great music for Zelda two. I want to get some of it in and, uh, then we'll come back and we'll just touch on some of the memories of this game. Before we get started, I want to ask you, do you remember playing through Zelda 2 either in your youth on the NES or at some later point on Virtual Console? Uh, if you remember playing through it on the NES like I do, you may remember that it came in a silver cartridge. I think later it ended up on the gray cartridge, but at the earliest time of its release, I believe it was on silver. And it was definitely a coveted card to have, uh, especially in my neighborhood uh, if you had the gold Legend of Zelda cartridge and the silver Adventure of Link cartridge, you were definitely one hot tamale uh, back on the block. So, uh, if you have any remember, uh, if you have any memories playing this game, definitely uh, get in touch with me on Twitter. You can get in touch with me at Yo Power Time. and just give me a quick heads up on how you felt about Zelda Two because I would love to just keep this conversation going. Um, I remember I had a copy of Zelda One. Uh, And it was one of my favorite games of all time. I mean, the secrets, the top-down combat, the exploration, the dungeons. I loved Zelda 1. It was one of my favorite games. And I played it for hours and hours and hours and I beat it. And then I played the second quest and I couldn't beat it, so I just played the first quest again. And then I got Zelda 2, and I believe I got it on a rental. And I remembered not being super fond of the game. And my neighbor had it, and I remember watching the game being played for hours and hours, but it was not the true sequel that I had hoped for. And I really missed that top-down combat. The music felt a little different. Uh, and that makes sense, you know, now knowing that it was a completely different composer. Of course, I didn't know that as a kid. Uh, but did you have a different experience? Do you remember Zelda 2 more fondly than I did? And you wouldn't be the only one who remembers it fondly. So according to Wikipedia, the game ultimately sold 438 million copies worldwide so over four million copies sold of zelda 2 that makes it the fifth best-selling nes game which is just behind the super mario brothers series all three and the first legend of zelda games so not only is nintendo absolutely dominating the top five uh, best-selling nes games but this one is up there so again this was certainly a popular title back in its day and i'm, I'm curious if you had really fond memories playing it I recently played through it again. So to give this title justice, uh, looking back on it, um, here's my updated perspective. After years of being completely removed from those memories of of being underwhelmed and really just wanting a direct sequel to The Legend of Zelda 1, uh, here's my perspective. It was an absolutely great game, uh, and it was still my least favorite Zelda game. a variety of reasons. It felt repetitive. I definitely got bored at times. I felt like quitting. Uh, I felt compelled to grind just like an RPG. So whenever experience points and leveling up is a factor, I'm always going to want to uh, sit down and grind and and try to level up as quickly as possible uh, before I enter into a palace. And uh, to me, that's that's not always super fun, especially uh, not having enough time to play all the games I want to play. Grinding is my least favorite thing to do. Uh, switching from the top-down to side-scrolling didn't really feel great. Felt a little unnatural. Uh, but that's probably biased by later titles where towns were really well executed using the same style. So in A Link to the Past, you, you still maintain the same top-down overworld style when you go into a town and it's perfectly fine uh, for communicating with townsfolk, uh, finding clues, battle, etc. cetera. Um, The other problem I had with this game was it's not very clear where to go at times. So not in the way that the later titles can be. Uh, So after the third or fourth palace, I felt ready to move on to a new game to play. Uh, I felt like I saw all there was to see in The Legend of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. And I think that Link is certainly an important part of the legacy of Zelda. Uh, It doesn't stand up so well, in my opinion, in 2016, not in the way that that Zelda 1 does or... You know, Link's Awakening for the Game Boy does Uh, but if you've never played it uh, I absolutely recommend that you at least play it, try it Uh, you can get it on the 3DS uh, virtual console you can most definitely get it on the Wii or Wii U virtual console Uh, and you should uh, be on the lookout for the NES classic uh, which is a mini NES that's coming out, it's going to be HDMI out uh, and it's going to be available as one of the 30 games that's available on that uh, mini console that Nintendo's putting out. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, so lots of opportunities to try out this game for sure. So, in true Nintendo power fashion, this is not going to be the last that we talk about The Legend of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. We're going to be talking about this a little bit next issue because we cover the remaining palaces, I believe. Uh, but for the sake of today, we're going to wrap things up uh, again. You know, fantastic game, certainly a, a huge piece in Nintendo's history. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it on Twitter. Check me out on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash Uh And let's just keep this conversation going. We can talk about Link all day, every day. Uh, but for now, we're going to keep the podcast moving and talk about Skate or Die. Uh, you can't become a skating animal overnight. It's going to take Mondo practice and some nasty scrapes and bruises before you'll be ready for the fierce competition of the ramp or a deadly duel in the pool with Lester. Uh, so, of course, uh skater Die was one of the classic skating titles. Um, here, it looks as though, you know, the backside of the Zelda poster uh, with the Zelda map was a Skater Die poster. So you had to choose whether you wanted to hang up uh, what you wanted to hang up. So you could hang up that Zelda poster or you can hang up this this gnarly dude uh, shredding on his board on the half pipe. Uh, personally, I'd probably go with the Zelda poster, uh, but this might've been a really tough choice for some. So we get a glimpse at the various gameplay options in Skater Die. One interesting tip here uh, that I love that I have to share Press the B button continuously to build up speed on the ramp. If you have the NES Advantage or the NES Max, you can use the Turbo button to really fly. The record-breaking jumps will be almost impossible without using your Turbo button. So, great, great marketing from Nintendo. Thumbs up, Nintendo. You're really tapping into the FOMO, the fear of missing out uh, for all those power players out there who absolutely wanted those record-breaking jumps. But if you're telling us that they're going to be near impossible without that turbo button, of course we're going to be getting the NES Max or the NES Advantage. Uh, So I love this kind of cross-promotion. There's actually a picture of the NES Advantage here in the magazine. Okay, up next we have a fresh Howard and Nestor comic. Uh, for a second, I thought that Captain Nintendo was going to be taking over the spot for the Howard and Nestor comics, but I was wrong. So this time, uh, Howard and Nestor travel to the Olympics for a little Track and Field 2 action, a little bit of a callback to issue number three. After that, we have Counselor's Corner uh, FAQs answered by the pros. Uh, we have Super Mario Brothers 2 FAQs here, so... Where are the warp zones? Sometimes when I beat the fry guy in World Four Three, there's no door. What do I do? And they explain how to force quit a level by pressing up and A and B at the same time on controller two. Uh, and I thought this was interesting for, for two reasons. One, there this is a blatantly a bug in the game, uh, getting stuck at the fry guy in World Four Three with no door. Uh, but to explain. People, how to force quit using the second controller. Uh, they say you lose a life, uh, but they still tell you that that's the only way to get out of that scenario. Uh, unfortunate user experience, but I thought it was interesting that they used the pages of Nintendo Power to uh, answer that plight of the player. So, Golgo 13, Wizards of Warriors, Zelda's first quest, and Simon's quest all here. Up next, we have classified information, just more tips and tricks. Uh, here we have Double Dragon, Mega Man, Life Force, Gauntlet, Blaster Master, Bionic Commando, and Track and Field 2, all covered here. Uh, so we're going to hear a quick song and then we're going to get right back on with the issue. <laughs> So if you didn't recognize this music from The Advantage, uh, this is one of the stages from Marble Madness. Marble Madness was just one of the coolest titles. I believe it was an arcade title before it came to the NES. I I didn't take the time to confirm that. Uh, But it was just so much fun. It was just a puzzle game where you controlled a marble that was rolling down an obstacle course. Uh, The issue of Nintendo Power here shows some screenshots. It explains how to play. Uh, It shows you your enemies and then it shows you maps of the first, uh, of stage three through five. So it doesn't even go through the first couple stages. We get right into stages three through five. One of the catchiest soundtracks, these were earworms. When I would play this game, I would get these little tunes stuck in my head forever. Uh, But it was one of the few titles that we owned in my household. Again, a lot of the titles I played were rentals. We rented games almost every weekend. Uh, but we owned very few. And Marble Madness was one of the few. And it was just incredible. It was very addicting, very challenging. Uh, You kind of had a limited timer uh, that would just tick away while you needed to get through these obstacle courses. And I mentioned last uh, week uh, in episode three that there were very few games that my mom played. And I distinctly remember my mom playing Bubble Bobble, Paperboy, and Marble Madness. Uh, And... That's cool. You know, like it was cool. Me and my mom, we used to play Marble Madness. We used to play it a lot. So very, very fond memories playing through this game. If you haven't checked out Marble Madness, you have to find your way, uh, find a way to get your hands on a copy because it's just so much fun. Uh, and it really holds up even to this day. So up next, we have a multi-page spread on the game Operation Wolf. And I remember playing this game very sparingly. So this feature, Nintendo Power, is going to go through some of the gameplay The stages, uh, the six stages, we have the communication center, the jungle, the village, the ammunition dump, the political prisoner camp in the airport. Um, So I'm going to have to go back and play this game. The screenshots definitely look uh, like it was an exciting title, uh, certainly packed with action. You know, your stereotypical stages here, but... For the most part, this game looks pretty good. It's going to make my list of games that I need to revisit. And if I do so, I will definitely share uh, some some information about Operation Wolf with you and my my feedback. But we're going to keep this episode moving. We have this trio of NES football games that Nintendo calls the Nintendo Power Bowl. And this kind of reminds me of that triple play feature that they did with the baseball titles uh, back in one of the earlier issues. Uh, So Nintendo Power proudly presents Three hot new football games for the NES. We have Tecmo Bowl, John Elway's quarterback, and NFL football. And they duel it out. Uh, We're going to have three reviews. We're going to also get a real player's perspective. So Nintendo Power consulted Doug Reed, the starting defensive end of the LA Rams, to give his opinion on these three games. So Doug ranks Tecmo Bowl as his favorite, unsurprisingly. And I remember Tecmo Bowl being one of my favorite football games, too, for the NES, along with NES NES Play Action Football, which I don't remember what year that came out. I don't know if that was out before or after this issue was released. Uh, but Doug says that Tecmo Bowl was very true to life and precise. He likes that the players' names are displayed and that they give each other a high five after they score a touchdown. And I was thinking reading through this feature that I would absolutely love. I really wish I could do this. I would love to go back in time and show Doug the most recent Madden release and just watch his mind get blown if he thinks that Tecmo Bowl is very true to life and precise. I think that would just be incredible. So Doug then gives his two cents on John Elway's quarterback in NFL football He had some negative reviews for NFL football, so the editors of Nintendo Power had to step in. And there's a little editor's note here that says, Doug's right. But for those looking for a super football strategy, check this one out. So interestingly enough, uh, John Elway's title is the only one not to present players' names. I thought that was interesting. So they could afford Elway's name on the box, but they couldn't afford any other players' names uh, in, in the actual rosters. Uh, So some interesting stuff about these football games. They have kind of a brief uh, bit about play calling, uh, how that differs. Uh, Nintendo Power even analyzes the game's halftime shows. So the touchdown animations and the final score display. So if you want to know how those segments actually play out across all three games, Nintendo Power's got you covered there. So that's going to wrap it up for the NFL titles. Uh, We're going to move into our next segment. Mission objective, destroy Metal Gear. The last message received from Agent Gray Fox mysteriously said Metal Gear and nothing more. After 24 hours without further contact, it could only be assumed that the Outer Heaven group had captured him. No one really knows what Metal Gear is, but it's for certain that if Colonel Vermin Kotafi, the insane but brilliant strategist of Outer Heaven, has conceived it, this project has to be stopped fox hounder needs another top-notch commando to infiltrate outer heaven locate and rescue agent gray fox and destroy project metal gear only one man fits that bill and that man is agent solid snake join the fox hounder group's newest operative in this impossible mission that destruction of an unknown weapon in a base created by a madman this is metal gear So I'm assuming that all the gamers out there have played through some Metal Gear Solid or some future Metal Gear title. And this is where it all began with Metal Gear on the NES. And it was such a difficult game, uh, especially as a child. I I haven't played it in a while, but I want to go back just to see if I can actually play this game without any cheat codes or save states because it was so challenging for me uh, growing up. I remember I, I, I rented a copy frequently and I didn't get very far. Uh, But I I probably would have gotten far if I had this issue of Nintendo Power because we go through quite a bit of strategy and maps uh, to to get you through the first couple stages. Um, So if you struggled with Metal Gear, you had to get your hands on Nintendo Power, issue number four, because it's all here. Uh, So moving along, we have video shorts. Again, video shorts are some sneak previews of games that are coming out. We have Friday the 13th. Amazing, amazing game. I cannot wait to discuss that game. Hopefully, it gets a full review in a future issue. We have World Games, Star Soldier, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Bump and Jump, Rampage, Othello, Robo Warrior, Spy vs. Spy, Gyrus, and Kubert. After that, we have Packwatch. Packwatch is a look into the crystal ball, a look into the future of NES game packs. The first game that's covered is Ninja Gaiden, which we're going to talk about next issue. Uh, we get a hint of the cinema display system, which is kind of a big deal that's being referenced here in Packwatch, uh, as well as the protagonist's ability to wall jump. Uh, so we hear a little bit about that up front. The Gossip Gremlins uh, is a little section that is repeated throughout Packwatch, and there's these little animated monster creatures that were hired by Nintendo Power staff to sneak around and get secret scoop. Uh, so the first piece of gossip is that CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, which happens twice a year, uh, is, is happening at the time of writing this issue. Uh, so look for some more scoop in March after they cover CES. Uh, we see four basketball titles. Robocop from Data East uh, mentioned that they need more time. So it was actually referenced in the coming next issue, uh, in the last issue of Nintendo Power, but I guess it, it wasn't released so that they couldn't talk about it. Uh, by You Billy, by Konami, also listed in the gossip section. Uh, we hear about The Guardian Legend, Knight Rider, Airwolf, Bad Dudes, Defender of the Crown, uh, which is a game from Ultra that I never played, apparently based on Robin Hood, some more gossip. Uh, TMNT, so in this watch feature for TMNT, they actually compare it to Metal Gear, And they say that they hear it's going to be like Metal Gear with the kind of top-down exploration uh, overhead view uh, with a lot of equipment. So really excited to hear more about TMNT. Then we roll right into Player's Poll. Uh, Player's Poll, of course, is the contest where Nintendo just asks you for market research information. After that, NES Journal. uh, Here announcing a hands-free controller this is really, really cool. Uh, so Nintendo created a physical, uh, a special controller for physically limited and special needs players. Uh, they said that it was going to cost around $120 and it was developed with actual players who had special needs and Seattle's Children's Hospital. So I, I love that Nintendo went out of their way to do this. I haven't really heard of uh, any video game company kind of going out of their way to do this kind of work. Uh, in recent years. So it was pretty cool to watch that or to read this feature here at Nintendo Power Um, and definitely shows that they were committed to being accessible at this time in the early days of of video games as video games were kind of defining itself in the market. After that, we have a feature on PlayChoice, which is a a quarter-based NES arcade cabinet. So it actually took quarters uh, and the quarters gave you time limits uh, so that you can play your favorite NES games like Contra, Double Dragon, Mario 2, Punch-Out! We have uh, Mario 3. Okay, so keep a lookout for Mario 3 in the spring of 1989. Uh, So that's pretty cool. So one of the early opportunities to play Mario 3 was through PlayChoice, this kind of stand-up NES arcade cabinet. After that, we have a section called Sound Waves. uh, What's new in rock and roll? So we hear about Debbie Gibson, Julian Lennon, and Huey Lewis. Uh, Again, just these little one-page sections that Nintendo threw in here to stay relevant. Uh, We have celebrity profiles. This is Karch Corrali, uh, U.S. volleyball team captain, just talking about uh, coaching the U.S. volleyball team and talking about Super Mario Bros. 2 and Lee Trevino's fighting golf. Uh, So he loved NES. Who would have thought? After that, we have Mailbox. Uh, There is a note here about the Zelda reset trick to preserve the memory, uh, to hold down the reset button to make sure that your save didn't get lost. Uh, I remember that being kind of like Urban Legend. Uh, Here it gets firmed up in the uh, pages of Nintendo Power. Uh, There is some talk about Nintendo clubs, which which were very popular. So you would get together with a group, you would form a club, get together to play Nintendo, and you would put all your money together to buy new titles. Uh, So you would kind of have share one community pot. Uh, Apparently, that was really popular. Uh, And it gets quite a few mentions in Mailbox uh, and throughout the pages here. And finally, we have, you know, NES Achievers uh, and Video Spotlight where we look at actual players. We look at the achievements that they're doing, uh, their top scores, their tips and tricks. They kind of send in screenshots. Well, They send in actual photographs of their top scores here. Uh, And that takes us to the top 30. So again, the top 30 was an opportunity for Nintendo Power to really show you what the most popular games were. And this changed uh, week to week. There's a little key here. So there's there's, uh, titles in red uh, slash purple that are new to the top 30. So keep a close eye on them. Uh, There are... Games that are really on the move, these games have jumped up several places in the poll. Those are in blue. And then in green, you have favorites that have maintained their popularity among the top 30. So we we have a few shakeups here uh, in the top 30. And I'm just going to read through the top 10 uh, right now. But uh, the very interesting list. We have Super Mario Brothers 2 in number one. We have The Legend of Zelda in number two. At number three, we have Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link, so it's up there. It made it. Uh, Double Dragon, number four. Metroid, number five. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, number six. Milan's Secret Castle, number seven. Metal Gear, number eight. Contra, number nine. And Bases Loaded, number ten. So each title in the top 10 has their own little blurb. Zelda 2, you know, although it's been released only for a short time, the ultimate adventure is destined for greatness. Uh, Number 8, Metal Gear. What happened? Last time, Metal Gear was sitting pretty in third place. Here's a chance for all you gearheads to be heard. And, uh, you know, Milan's Secret Castle jumping up to number 7. First time in the top 30. Here's one to watch. First time on the top 30. Milan's Secret Castle is looking like a winner. So, this is always one of my favorite features in the magazine, just being able to watch the top 30 fluctuate. Uh, and we'll keep a close eye on this week to week. Uh, so, up next in the next issue of Nintendo Power, AKA the next episode of the Power Time podcast, we're going to be covering Ninja Gaiden part movie, part video game. Get ready for a ninja mission that really lets you get into the act, cinematic martial arts action. We're going to be covering Hudson's Adventure Island, classic game, and we're going to be covering more of the adventure of Link because obviously we could not have covered enough in this episode. After that, we have a letter from Howard Phillips. Uh, At press time, we're heading to the city of Lost Wages, I mean Las Vegas, to hit the giant consumer electronics show. So They're building up this idea that they're going to be uh, attending CES and getting a lot of scoop on a lot of games, probably including uh, first-party titles, but also including third-party titles. uh, And they're going to be sharing it with us in the next issue. Uh, So, Let's definitely keep a lookout for that. On the inside cover, uh, we have an ad, Party Up, Party Down. It's a Power Pad ad. So again, I talked about this in a previous episode. I loved the Power Pad, and I'm hoping that it gets a nice little uh, amount of coverage in a future issue. Uh, But here, it's just a bunch of kids uh, and the family dog. They're hanging out with a big bowl of popcorn, a couple of glasses of cola, Uh, And they're just having a blast with the power pad. Uh, So I absolutely remember having a blast with the power pad, pizza, popcorn, soda as well. So this ad really resonates with me uh, as a child of the 80s for sure. On the back cover, uh, we have hot buttons. Uh, So this ad is for the seal. It's for the official seal of quality that started showing up on the games, accessories, and a whole lot more from Nintendo. Nintendo. Uh, so there's actually an ad here to say, look out for the seal, uh, because it's going to be our guarantee that you're going to be getting quality, uh, a quality Nintendo product. I wonder if they had to deal with a lot of uh, third-party kind of crap and third-party crapware that was just showing up all over the place. And they really wanted to distinguish uh, what they thought was 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 theirs. Uh, what they could back with their own quality, especially with so many people calling into the hotlines and calling into the customer service lines. Uh, They probably wanted that seal of quality. And maybe that's how it came to be. I'm not sure. But listen, power players, that's going to wrap up today's episode. But first, before I go, I just want to give amazing uh, props and just an amazing shout out to the music and artists that were featured in this episode. It's really important that I give credit. where credit to do. Everyone gave me permission to use their music, uh, and they're amazing, so let's support them. Uh, first, we heard some original music from WrestleMania. Then we heard on Being Human's Zelda Two medley to kick off our Zelda retrospective. After that, we heard a segment from the Descendants of Erdrich's track, Return of Ganon. After that, we heard the Acoustic Town medley from the One-Ups. Then we heard a Wild Zelda Two medley from Careless Juja. And we heard from The Advantage, Stage 2 from Marble Madness. Love that track. And then finally, from the year 200X, we heard a heavy metal version of the jungle theme from Metal Gear. And I almost forgot uh, the unofficial Power Time podcast theme was used with permission by Azor Flux. That is a track called Eat My Chips. So you've got to check out more of this music uh, from these artists and support them if you can. If you go to powertimepodcast.com slash four, you'll check out the show notes for this episode where I have a whole ton of stuff, uh, notes from the show, uh, some cool links, uh, but most importantly, I link up information on how you can listen to more of these bands, uh, their music, uh, and support them. So again, if you want to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Yo Power Time. That's at Y-O Power Time. Uh, Definitely reach out, follow me. Uh, I will follow you back and we will have some fun conversations. Uh, You can join our private Facebook community. And the best way to do that is to go to powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked. Uh, And not only will you get access to the community, but anytime I do any fun giveaways, uh, you will be first to know about it. If not, uh, one of the exclusive few that gets access, Uh, you will also get my weekly newsletter, which I send out on Thursdays, which is another easy way to just keep up with new episodes. Uh, But I also drop in some fun stuff there from time to time as well. So again, that's powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked. Great way to support the show. A uh, great way to get involved with the community. And if you're enjoying this episode, uh, you can leave me a review on iTunes. powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes will get you there. Uh quick, easy review not only helps me find new listeners, but also uh, honest feedback helps me continue to improve the show, which is my mission. Uh, so an honest, honest review is definitely helpful there. Uh, and the easiest thing that you can do is just tell your friends. If you have any nerdy friends like me uh, who love this stuff, uh, just tell them you found this really cool podcast and you think that they would dig it. But again, that's going to wrap up today's episode, of the Power Time Podcast. I had a blast. I hope you had a blast. Keep on playing with power and tune in next week for some Ninja Gaiden.